All right, guys, let's get uh, let's get started. I'm red anyway. One more time. Time to get started. All right. I give up. I give up, man. You gonna have to call her by name. Nancy, get there. If you're watching online and have just joined us, we are grateful that you. We know we've had some of our members that are that are shut in and they're watching, and and we thank you. We bless you. And, and, Hope you're hope you're doing well. If you tuned in for the first time, uh, my name is Dan Spaith. I'm one of the elders here, and this is Central Church of Christ in Victoria, Texas. Uh, and we're and we're overjoyed that you have chosen to watch us. We're Second Timothy is where we're going to be this morning. So where we're starting, uh, and and we'll do some background before we actually get into the text. I don't know how far we'll get. Uh, I've got something that I, that I really want to do here in the first verse, so I want to get to that. So. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's good to see Alan here. Uh, he is uh, he is up in up in uh, he's on two feet. He's ambulatory. There you go. <laughs> I don't know all these big words, but he's on two feet. <laughs> Coming from Nancy, that's probably negative. <laughs> <laughs> y'all y'all do remember this right in this area. They can hear everything mm. y'all are saying, <laughs> and they can see you. Too, so. Well, they can't see you, but they can see her. They're lucky. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway. We're going to get a different camera where you can see the whole room. Even if I have to sit up there and we have to do it something different. We're gonna, I want them to see the whole room. So, you know, it's hard to it's hard to watch it online and only see four or five people and not realize that there may be 40 or 50 people in this room. So... You know, and it's difficult to, with the with the microphones we have to uh, pick up everything that's in here. So, so that's why I'm constantly repeating everything. So, but anyway, uh, you know, under if you're if you're part of my small group in the evening, we are not meeting tonight. Don't forget, okay? We don't have small group on Fourth Sunday because uh, we probably won't be. I probably won't get home till three o'clock today because of our meeting we're going to have this afternoon. So, it will be. I've looked at the at the agenda. <laughs> We'll be lucky we'll get out here in two hours. Cole said, oh, I'll be two hours. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> He's an optimist. Who's going to keep Jim away? Hey, I'll sit next to him and keep him away. Okay? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We thank you for this day uh, that we can gather together as a family and to honor and glorify and worship you and fellowship together. Uh, it truly is a special day for us as Christians. We're thankful to see Alan here, and we pray for a, a prayer of thanksgiving for him and pray that you bless everything that's going on in his life. We pray, pray as well for, for Roberta, who's still in the hospital, can't be with us, and, uh, and is struggling with her health. We pray for her as well. Uh, Father, be with her family as well. Father, help us as we study this morning. Help us to learn. Help us to grow. 
Help us, Father, not to be afraid to apply these things to our lives and help us to really pay attention to the things that you'll tell us as we study the text and know that, that, uh, that you have our best interests at heart, Father. And we thank you for that. Bless us as we study this, as we start this new letter and as we study it in, in, in great detail, Father, we pray that you help us to learn the things that we need to learn. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. This is the, uh, this is the second letter. Okay. This is probably, as near as we can tell, it is the last letter Paul will write. He will not write another letter. Uh, this letter is written between 66 and 67 A.D., and, uh, and that is pretty close to the end of his life. You will see under this letter, and I'll bring it up as we get there, you're going to see some, some, uh, uh, some things that he says, and we're going to look at a couple of them here in just a minute, uh, some things so we know he is in chains in Rome. And when this letter is written, he has been abandoned by everybody in that area. They've all abandoned him. Nero is running roughshod over the Christians. He's killing them all over the place. And Paul knows that his time is short. He will not be alive much longer. And so he writes this letter, which is a lot shorter letter, he writes, to try to, to give, give Timothy and give the church some final instructions of where to stand and how to stay faithful. What he realizes, it's pretty obvious as you read most of these guys' letters, that they have realized that Jesus is not coming back in their lifetime. They thought that at first. Uh, it was probably it was pretty evident that they thought, and the whole church really thought that Jesus was going to come back in a very short period of time, and that didn't happen. And now they've resigned themselves to the fact that he's probably not coming back for a long time. And, and, and they know that uh, turmoil is coming in the church, they understand that, that the, the only way it's going to be saved is through the leadership of the church and leading them and individual Christians living the life that they need to live. And so he's going to write another letter uh, to, to this young preacher. And, and then we get through with this and we're going to go into the book of Titus. We're going to look at the letter he writes to Titus. Because it's kind of the same, you know, Titus and, and, and Timothy are the only two people he addresses the way he does in, in, the first, in this letter in, in the first verse. He's going to address him, uh, my beloved son uh, or child. And, uh, and he, uh, uh, he only addresses those two guys. He has a very tight bond with those two individuals, with Timothy and Titus. So, you know, when you look at this, I want, and I want us to turn in this letter, I want to turn to a couple of places. Uh, I want you to look at, uh, at, at, verse, at chapter 4 first. And we're going to deal with all this as we get to it, but I just wanted to bring it out so you get a sense for what's going on in this letter. What's the background? You know, and we're going to look at another text in a minute, what, the, what the, generally the theme of this whole letter is going to be. But chapter 4, and if you look at, uh, at verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You get a pretty good sense that he knows, I'm in jail. The first, when he writes the first letter, he is not in jail. He's under house arrest, and he can come and go as he pleases. But that's been four years ago. Nero is coming to power, and Nero can't stand them. Nero hates the Christians, and he is gonna, he's going to do a systematic purge of Christianity from, from, the, from the provinces of Rome. And he kills thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians in all kinds of barbaric ways. And Paul is going to have his head cut off. That's how he's going to die. 
and he knows he's in he's in chain, and everybody's abandoned him. I mean, you'll see that as he as we go through that he he begs Timothy, please try to get here soon, bring my coat with you, and please try to get here before winter, because he knows in that and where he's at, it's a, it's brutal. Those those prisons weren't like you guys went yesterday, and uh, and you said the dorm where they were at pretty it was pretty tolerable, right? You said, you know, when I used to go to the county jail, I mean it was I mean it was air conditioned. You know, but it can be it can be brutal in some of those places. You know, I know that old county jail it wasn't it wasn't air conditioned. It was hot, uh, but you know, and so in Rome in these dungeons they didn't have air conditioning, no heat. I mean, if it got there in the wintertime, he's gonna freeze to death in that place, and he knows that, and he's begging for Timothy to come. I want to see you one more time. Just come. I want to see you one more time. Now I want you to turn to chapter three for just a second, and look at chapter three. And this, this really is, uh, uh, this, this really is the, the theme, I think, of, of what this letter is going to be about. And we're going to look at, at verse 14 through 17. Look at, at verse 14. Now, think about what the theme is. What the, we're in 2 Timothy chapter, I'm looking at chapter 3, we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Uh, and, and you guys have stepped into the beginning of a class, because just now we're starting 2 Timothy. We've, we've been doing 1 Timothy, and, and like I said before, this is a letter that Paul writes from prison. He's in he's in jail, and they're going to kill him, and he knows it. He knows he's got a very short amount of time. He doesn't know when, but he writes to Timothy, his 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 uh, uh, a protege that he is that he is very close to, and he begs for him to try to get there soon, try to get there, and uh, and try to get to see me. Uh, because everybody's abandoned me. But look at that. Look at verse uh, chapter three and look at verse fourteen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those those from whom you learned it. And now, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay. And he says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is going to be the general theme of this whole letter. That's the general idea of what he's going to try to put across in this whole letter as he writes to Timothy. Now, I want you to look at, at chapter 2 for a minute. Chapter 2. And he's going, to, he's going to warn Timothy and I believe us in the church, early church, if you present the gospel and you present it in the right way, you're going to suffer. Okay? And we're going to deal with suffering in this in this letter. Maybe next week we'll get there, but there maybe not. But we're going to get there at some point where the suffering that Paul's in, enduring and the suffering that he warns Timothy is coming, and the suffering that he's warning that we are that, that we as the church are going to endure, and and it will come. I've said before, you know, when we get doing the things we're supposed to do, Satan is not going to be happy, and he's going to come after us. He's already doing that. He's already coming after some of our families. He's also coming after some of our membership. And he's doing some things, and I think because he's he's really scared of what we're doing. Because we're reaching out into communities all over the world. You know, we're reaching out all over the place. And and that that uh, that scares him because what we're doing is we're taking the truth everywhere. And so it's he's he's afraid of that. And you're gonna suffer because of it. And and we'll talk about that. Why does God allow that? Why what what is all this, the things that are going on that, that why that happens? But but we'll talk about that as we get there. Uh, and and he, and he says and he says in this in this 
I want to read this here in verse 3 of chapter 2. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes with that, and he goes on. But he says, you join me in the suffering that's coming. When you present the gospel, when you present the truth of the gospel, when you present the truth that Jesus came to die and give us life, and that only living through him can we have life, you know, you're, Satan is going to come after you. Satan's going to come after us. And that's what happens. And so, and then I want you one more. Look at chapter 3 and verse 10. Look at verse chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecution I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're going to live a godly life in Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Maybe by your family, maybe by your employees, maybe by employers. You're going to be persecuted. If you're living a godly life, somebody's going to step in the middle of your world. That's just the way it works. And if you're, if you're not getting persecuted, then you have to turn around, look in the mirror, and ask yourself, is my life really a godly life? And if it's not, then you have to fix that. But if you're living a godly life, and you're standing up for Christ, and standing, standing up for truth, you are going to get stepped on. Paul said it. He said it right there. Everybody living a godly life is going to suffer persecution. Most of the time it comes from people that are really close to you. I talked to an individual Friday night that was in our class, and he said, he said, Dan, there's people at my job that don't want to hear anything about this. They have all kinds of negative to say about, the, about God's Word. And I said, join a club. Join a club. This is what happens. And, and I said, the only thing that, has to, that can happen is, is you have to learn how to live it the best you know how because that will be the greatest testimony to the truth that you can do. Not about what you say, it's about what you do. It's how you live your life. So live it no matter what they say. No matter how, and, and, it's, and it was hurtful to him because he's so passionate. He's the baby Christian. He's so passionate right now about, about wanting to teach the truth and nobody wants to listen. And they have all these, all these, these ridiculous arguments to, to cover over so they don't have to listen to the truth of the word. Well, we don't really have a, an accurate rendition of God's word. We don't really, it's really not accurate enough, so I'm just not going to listen to what we have. Garbage. It's all garbage. Yeah, right? That thing's garbage. It's all, contra it contradicts itself everywhere. You know, it's, you go over here and go over here and it contradicts itself. But all that shows is, is how ignorant that person is because they just don't know the truth. They don't know how to connect the dots. When you learn how to connect the dots, it takes all the contradiction away. It looks contradictory sometimes until you learn how to connect the dots. Until you learn how to connect it from that point A to point B to get to C and get to D. It's, it, it, uh, and I challenge you to, try, to get to that place where you can look at it and say, oh, now I understand why it said that. Now I understand why this said this here and doesn't say it over there. I understand that. So, you know, like I said, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's, well, it's an interesting letter that he writes to this young preacher, and I believe writing to the church as a whole, writing to us as well. So we're going we're gonna to look at all the text about being the, the Scripture being profitable, what that means and how I can get there, how I can understand. What about my suffering? How, how, what am I going to do with that? What do I do with it? How can, I, how can a good, wholesome, powerful God allow suffering to happen in the world? How can he do that? And we're going to talk about that when we get there. So you have to keep coming. we got some good stuff coming. There's some good stuff in this letter. We'll be at it for a while. So I want you to look at chapter 1.
And I'm going to read the first two verses, and then we're going to talk about these verses. Whether we get through them or not, I don't know. We'll try. We'll see. But we're going to we're going to we're going to read the first two verses. All right. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. Do so you know who wrote it? You know who wrote it? Paul wrote it. Says the first verse. He said. Paul, our apostle of Christ Jesus, he, he, you know, when you, you know, I know this is probably, probably, you know, showing my age. Uh, I, people in my generation wrote letters, right? Some of you are going like this. Yep. You remember that. Some of you are going, I don't know what that is. All right. That. We write on a screen and punch a, punch an arrow and it, and it shoots it to them and they're done. Okay. But some of us wrote letters. And how did you, how would you open that letter? Dear so-and-so, you know. Hey, it's it's me again, or some greeting in the first paragraph. Would that not how you would do a letter? Those of you who are nodding your head, you have, you've wrote letters before. You'd say, you know, you you would say, hey, this is uh, so and so. I mean, you know, it's good that I'm I'm glad to finally get back to you. I'm sorry it's been so long, you know, but hope everything's going well with you. Same thing you'd write in a text or an email. We just wrote a hard copy and sent it in the mail. We didn't have problems back then with things getting mysteriously lost in the mail. <laughs> you put 14 stamps on it and they send it back said not enough postage on it <laughs> you know we didn't have that well we had that problem you put it in a mailbox and you what you figured is two or three days it's going to end up in another mailbox with the person that you sent it to right that's what we have so people don't write letters anymore but here is a letter okay not an email not a text it's a letter personal letter to a young man who he calls my beloved son like I said, he only says this to two people, as Timothy and Titus. Okay, so these guys are very special to him, and and there's something here that I, I don't want you to miss. Okay, because I think this is the essence of the gospel, and we're going to deal with it because I've got some scriptures I want to deal with here. Okay, and. You know, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promises of life that are in Christ Jesus, to, to Timothy, my dear son, grace and peace, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see it? See anything there? That you could take this verse and teach somebody the gospel. He said, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. All right, we know that part. We know that Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, and again, he relates the story in Acts 22. We know that. And and Paul is, a, Paul is a bounty hunter and a murderer. So he is. And and Jesus appears to him, and his, his, uh, his uh, focus of the day is taking people down who believe in Jesus. That's his focus of the day. And on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him, a resurrected Jesus who he says wasn't really real and really didn't resurrect and doesn't believe any of that nonsense. He does on the road to Damascus. He does. You know, and it's God's will, it says, when God when God appears to Ananias to go to him, to go to Paul, Ananias' first response is, I ain't going. You know what that guy is? He's a killer. I'm not going over there. That guy's that guy's bad news. That guy's, you know, I don't want I don't want I don't even know my name. Much less know what I look like. But he goes, why? 
Because God says, I've got a special mission for him. He has been chosen to be a, to be a, my servant, my prophet to the Gentiles. So God picked him before he even was saved. He picked him. So he said, by the will of God. He said, here, he said, I'm an apostle because God handpicked me. In that, that day, for him to be an apostle, he had to be an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. And that's what he was on the road to Damascus. I would love to have seen what that looked like. You know, he blinds him. They, they see the light, don't hear the voice. They don't know anything. Only one that sees it is Paul. And so at, at, from that moment on, as soon as his, his gets his sight back, as soon as he starts, he goes to, immediately into the synagogue in Damascus and starts preaching about Jesus. And they're flabbergasted. Isn't this the same guy that did this, 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 and this? So the persecution, the suffering's already started for him. How passionate you think he was to, to relate to them a vision of what he's seen, you know, what he's just saw on that on that road to Damascus. How, how passionate would he, you know, hey, I see an angel. Guess what I'm going to do first thing I come to class? I'm going to tell you. You may not believe me. No, you probably won't believe me. Doesn't mean I'm not going to tell you. But I'm going to be excited. Man, you know what I just saw? You're going to say, guys, a nut. His age caught up with him. He's a nut. Yep. You know the fact that, that he immediately went and started preaching about Jesus? Tells me something about the Pharisees. They absolutely knew who Jesus was. Absolutely, they did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that, that's proof. I mean, it, it tells us other places in the Scripture. They had enough information about Jesus to know that he was the Messiah. Yep. Yeah. And they killed him anyway. Yeah, they killed him anyway. Y'all hear that? They, he had, they knew. Paul was a Pharisee. He just didn't believe all the intricate details of it, so he started going to persecute him. We're going to, we're going to eradicate this. Because what they were teaching, what the new Christians were teaching, they felt was contrary to what they had been taught. But if you understand how all of that plays out, you understand it wasn't contrary at all. It was the fulfillment of what had been taught. Jesus was the was the he was the the visual aid to the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament is coming true through Jesus, and they just didn't want to buy it because it was going to upset their apple cart. All right, it was going to upset everything that they were about. You know, you can't you can't uh, you can't come and, and rain on my parade and think I'm going to take it lying down. But there's something else here. Look at what he said: Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. In keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you, we live in a society today where Jesus Christ has taken a back seat to most everything that the heart and the mind can come up with. That's a fact. You don't have to believe it. You have to believe me. I'm just telling you, I deal with it. I deal with people on a right. And man, I'm telling you, he's taking a back seat. That nobody cares about Christ anymore. They don't care. They don't believe it. They don't want to follow it because to follow it means I got to look in this book and I got to ask myself, okay, what is he telling me to do? And I'm not going to follow a dead man. I had a guy tell me, I'm not following a dead guy. I say, he's not dead. He's alive. Well, so according to you, according to you, he's alive. I don't believe it. Fine. Don't believe it. One of these days you will stand before him. I promise you. And then you'll believe it. Man, I just don't want late. that to happen to you. Huh? Then it'll be too late. Then it's too late. But here Paul said, he said, in keeping with the promise that is that of life that is in Christ Jesus, where does promise come from? I want to take you. I want. We're going to look in the Book of John. Okay, we're going to be there for a bit. Look at the Book of John. Okay. There's a there's a, a 
there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in the book of John that talks about this. We're going I picked out five of them and we're just going to we're just going to pull them out. You've heard them before. It's not something you haven't heard before. But he's talking about the promise of life that's in Christ Jesus, okay? There's a there's a life promise. You know, is that life worth living? That's something you have to ask yourself. Not I'm not going to debate that whether it's worth living or not. I'm telling you there is a life a spiritual life in Christ Jesus, you can't get anywhere else. You're not going to. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how powerful you are. I don't care how smart, pretty, tall, fat, skinny. I don't care any of that stuff. None of that stuff is going to give you the life that you're looking for. You know, how many people do you know that have decided not to have a spiritual walk with God? And they've tried to come at it from a different perspective. Well, you know, I'm really trying to be a really good person. How's that working for you? How's that work? I'm following my heart. You know, my heart says that it's okay for me to be at the lake next Sunday instead of going to church because that it's, I'm going to be with my family. And my family needs some time alone and I need to be with my family. So I'm going to be with my family at the lake next week. Well, I don't, I don't believe that book, really. I don't, Mark and I talk, we, I don't believe that book. I don't believe that book is really true. So anything it says in there about life, where are they going to have to come up with life? I'll buy another boat. That'll help. I'll trade my car in and get a better car. I'll get a faster car. I'll get a prettier car. Get a more expensive car. That's what I'll do. I'll go buy, I'll go, I'll go, I'll get my nails done and my hair done. I mean, I'll feel really good then. And I'll feel good about myself when I look in the mirror. Guess what's going to happen? The mirror's going to stay the same you want. Right? And one of these days you're going to look in the mirror and say, getting hair done and nails done ain't going to help. Not going to help. You know? I, you know, Alan said he stayed in the hospital three days, couldn't eat, drink, nothing, and gained 11 pounds. Gained 11 pounds. <laughs> Lay in a hospital bed, couldn't eat, drink, nothing, and gained 11 pounds. Guess what happens to us? Guess what happens? Time catches up with us. Gravity catches up with us. Everything that was here goes to here. <laughs> it's just the way it works, guys. So if you're if you're depending on that stuff to give you some sense of, of confidence in yourself, guess what happens? You know, we just had a lady walked in this morning on a, on just had a knee replacement, right? So they had to go fix it. We've got we've got a, one of our deacons is going to go under the knife tomorrow. Tomorrow? No, Tuesday, the 25th. Tuesday. Glenn is going to have a knee replacement and then wait till that one's done and then get another one. Get the other one done. So, you know, guess what What our bodies are telling us? Don't trust me. Don't trust me. This is This is not. Thank God it's not. For, but but we, 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 have, we live in a society that says, well, if you take this product and take this pill and do this thing and do this exercise, You'll I'll give you long up. Pull. Pull. With, with, with the long list of side effects. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather get sick. They have, but anyway, you know, in the in the text, Jesus and, and the text, and John's going to tell us, here, here's where life comes from. Look, let's look at the first one. John chapter 1. Look at John chapter 1. Verse 4. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life. Okay? 
Is that, is that, I need, you want me to explain this? In him was life. Only in him is life. You can't have life anyplace else. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough money. You can't do any of that stuff. None of that's only in Christ is life. That's what that's what Paul. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back over here. Just a second. Let me get back over. Here. He said, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus says in him. The text says in him was life. In that text, it's talking about Jesus. We don't know that until you get to verse 14. But in verse 14, it says, and the, and the word became light, became flesh, and dwelt among us. So we know who it's talking about once you get to verse 14. But it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 4, it says, and in him, light. That's not, that's still true today. You want to you stand before God one day and say, well done, or say, man, I don't know you. Get away from me. The only way that happens is in him. Okay, now let's look at another one. John chapter 11. No, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Look at verse 35. John chapter 6, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, Jesus declared, all right, who's talking here? Jesus is. Jesus said. Over there, that was talking about him. This is him talking. He said, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I told you and have seen, and you, but I have told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All right? In this text, he's going to talk about him, them having to eat his body and drink his blood. Is what he's talking about. It's a spiritual thing, not a physical. And the people say, this is too hard, and they turn around and they walk away from him in this, in this chapter. And he goes to Peter and the apostles and said, what about you? You going to go too? You going to go too? And Peter looks at him and says, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of life. Peter knew. Did Peter fall? Yes. In the garden, did Peter fall? Yes. Did Peter have issues? Yes. Did 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 would Peter have been annihilated apart from grace? Yes. He was an obstinate, arrogant, egotistical, all of those. That's who he was. I, you know, I can relate sometimes to him. Thank God he saved him, because that means he's going to save me too then. You know, but here, Peter gets, I mean, here he said, I am the bread of life. Over there was the word said he was the bread of life, as he was life. Here, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. What, what is yeah, Timothy, I mean, Paul says, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Only in Christ. Now, let's look at another one. Chapter 11. Chapter 11. Now, this is, a, this is where, in this text, this is where Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. His good friend, Mary and Martha's brother, he's died. He's been in the tomb for a while. He's starting to decay, and Jesus waits to come to them, waits. And one of the sisters said, if you'd been here, you could have saved him. Why didn't you come? We told you enough time. He was still alive when we called you. And he said, and Jesus waited. And here he said in this text, you know, he's comforting these sisters, 
and he said they, he's been in there four days, and he's going to tell it to get the rock out of the way, and and he's man, he's been in there four days, he stinks already, and here in verse twenty four, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in, in the resurrection at that at at the last day. So what do we know that they know? They know about the resurrection. They haven't even seen Jesus rise yet, but they believe in the resurrection. The, that was a that was a problem between the Pharisees and the Sadducees because the Sadducees did not believe it. They did not believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. Now, here he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? What's he saying? If you're if you're not a Christian in this room, you're watching on, and you're not, and you and you're looking for life, and you're looking for every, under every rock and behind every closet door, and you're looking everywhere to try to give you some sense of normalcy in a chaotic, unnormal world. If that's what you're doing, it's simple. Jesus said, "I'm the bread of life." Jesus said, "I'm the resurrection of life." He said, "If you come to me, you're never going to die. Never going to die. Even though you die, you're still going to live." So when a Christian says, I'm not afraid to die. If I die on the way home, don't cry for me. I'm going home. We believe that. Why? Because he said it. Because he said, he said, I am the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live. What does it mean? What did Paul say? This is what was promised. That life in Christ was promised. What does it mean? Anyone who believes in me will have life. What, is it, what does it mean? Come on, guys. This is the, inter, this is the interactive part. What do you think it means? Still nothing? Crickets. We'll all be raised from the dead. What else? Come, that's, that's perfect. What else? Give me something. What does it mean? Not only do you believe in him, but you live in him too. You okay. Live. Okay. I, I don't not only believe in him, but I live in him. Eternity. Nancy said eternity is, is what awaits me. That's what it means. All right. If if I if you're not a Christian and you're in this room or you're on uh, watching us online, he said, if you believe in me, you'll live. Well, go poll a hundred people on the street and ask them the question, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yeah. I believe in Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, who was he to you? Well, he's just a good guy. But I believe in him. Is that what he's talking about? Believing in him is what Gary said. Living for him. You know, the, the nation of Israel came to the promised land and God punished them because they would not do what he told them to do. They wouldn't. The first time they get there, they've only been they've only been wandering around for a couple of years, and he gets them to the promised land, and they won't go in. And in Hebrews chapter 3, he says they didn't get to go in because they didn't believe. They were disobedient didn't believe. God says in that, that context and in that, that, that scene, if you say you believe, and you don't obey, then you don't believe. You got it? If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. Simple. I can believe you're going to pay me my $100 back. Doesn't mean you're going to. Right? You know what I know it's true? When you give me my $100 back. You know? Go ahead. Somebody had their hand. Yep, Scott. First letter. It says Christ by our hope. Instead of Yep. So, to me, it's got to cause you to live like you have hope. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people believe in Jesus, but they don't take it that next step to, yeah. to live like they 
actually. I have hope like it's going to mean something. Yeah, and I and I think I think our 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 world idea of belief and biblical idea of belief is different. Okay. You know, it is. God's idea of belief is that you're gonna that you're gonna do things, that you're gonna act. Because if you say you believe, then you you know if you have faith, it says we're saved by grace through how through what through faith, and that all faith is a belief that causes you to act. Can be saved apart from faith. Tells us that. Can be saved apart from faith. I have to believe. And the only way that's going to happen is I have to have a hope in something that's bigger than I am. Something like Jesus who can give me things that I can't give myself. And Paul said, this is what was promised. Life in Christ. That's not just, that didn't go away when Paul dies. Didn't go away when Timothy died. That's still alive today. There is only one thing that can give you life. You want a better life? You want a, you want a hope-filled life? You want a life that has that has a vision towards eternity? The only place you get it is in Christ. And so you have to go to the book and say, okay, what did he say? What I got to do? What am I supposed to That was my, when I realized that, you know, I grew up in the denominational world most of my young adult life. You know, let me do pretty much whatever I wanted to do. All I had to do was just say, you know, hey, I'm sorry. I, 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 I apologize. And everything's good for, another, for a while yet. And then I go do it again. When I came to this and said, wait a minute. When I realized that that wasn't getting me where I needed to go, I needed to, to put some special emphasis on my relationship with Christ. And it changed everything. And the suffering and the persecution started immediately. Started right away. People in my life treated me with, with great deal of disrespect because of what had happened. I'd been called all kinds of names by my family members. Not by strangers, by my own family. Called me names, made fun of me, laughed at me. You know, I've been I had been a Christian for 25 years when my dad dad died, and my uncle sat across the table from me, and he said, "Boy, I didn't know you had that in you." You know, I preached and taught, all, you know, in a lot of different places, and, and he said, "I didn't know you had that in you." Just arrogant, sarcastic, the way he came out, and I saw him look at me like I was 15 again. And I didn't have any any giddy up upstairs to come up with conclusions on my own. And all I had done was that did the gravesite at my dad's funeral. And and did you know? That's all I did. And, he, and you know, anyway, somebody's gonna say something over here. Fitzin. And that's all. You, that's all you needed to do. Not say nothing because your life. Yeah, I told him. You know, I told him. I said I preach at Fortran once a month. I said more than welcome because Fortran not that far away from Houseville. I said, you can come listen to me anytime. On fourth Sunday, I'll be there every fourth Sunday. He didn't come. It's all right. But, you know, the point is that a life in Christ causes things to happen that people around you look around and say, what the heck happened to you? What's going on with you? It's not just I say I believe, but action starts to happen, and things start to change in your life. And and most people out there, they, that makes them uncomfortable. made my mother extremely uncomfortable. They make people uncomfortable in your life. Now, let's go to one more. Look at chapter 14. See what happens when, when y'all make me talk too long? Time gets away from me. Yep, y'all fall. I got two more, so we're going to be here for just a little bit. I won't talk about them, I promise. Verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay? Wrap your mind around that one. If you know me, you'll know the Father. If you really know me, you'll know the Father. Now look at the last one. Chapter 20. Look at chapter 20. 
And look at verse 30. Chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. All right? Now listen carefully to this. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life in his name. If you believe that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, then you can have life in his name. But you have to live for him. That's what Paul is saying. He said, this is the promise of the, of the, of the, of the life in Christ. The promise that came from the beginning. And we're going to look at that a little bit more next week when we talk about his ancestors, his forefathers. He's going to talk about in the next verse when we get to verse 3. But I wanted you to see, because I, I know there are people that watch sometimes that are not members of the church. I want you to, you can't have, you can't have hope in God from having more stuff and more money. That's not what gets it. Having a life in Christ and doing what Christ tells us to do, being obedient to him and walking the walk is what's going to get you, is what's going to get right with God. So if you don't know what that is, get in the book. Get in the book and let him tell you himself what he requires of you. Okay? Because I'm not going to be able to do that for you. You're not going to listen to me. Listen to him. All right? We'll see you next week.